0: Jesus, your decision to be a part of this great work. And and I just want you to know this. You are so vital to what we're going to do. And what I'm going to talk about today is significant. Because we're leading into the summer. You guys know, a lot of us are excited about, you know, this week we're going to celebrate the 4th of July, and we're going to have the fireworks and the picnics and and all the gatherings and all the get-togethers. But this is a time of the year when people get together, right? We love to get together. It's probably one of my favorite times of the year. I probably like this time of the year more than I like Christmas, because it's warmer. And somebody said it's cheaper. That's another reason. But this is an awesome time to get together. Because, you know, you got, you got fireworks and picnics and, and the weather's warm. And, but you can spend some time talking to people, connecting. Amen. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so today's lesson we're going to be talking about is leading us into the summer. We're already well into the summer, but I want to encourage you today that you can go out of here today thinking about, okay, what can a God do through me this summer? Amen. What's he going to do? And so what we're going to be talking about today is icebreaker. And we've got some, some ice up here and it looks good, doesn't it? feels good in the hot. Well, we're, going to be, we're going to be talking about icebreaker, and there's a lot of good icebreakers and there's bad icebreakers. One bad icebreaker is, how old are you? <laughs> you know, and if you're in my profession as, as a minister, a real bad uh, icebreaker is, hey, what do you do for a living? <laughs> oh, you're a minister. Thanks. See ya. And that's kind of how it is. Yep. But great icebreakers are, you know, when you connect with people. <laughs> you connect with their interests. And what's going on in their, their lives. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today because God wants to use us to break the ice in our communities. And there is a lot of ice. You've already heard some stories this morning about some, some, some ice that's out there. And you know, without, in spite of all the technology and, and the multitudes of people living on top of each other, some of our, our homes are like three or four feet apart. You can, the, door, the window's open and you can hear what people are doing. Some of us stuff you don't want to hear, but people are very close to each other. They're on top of each other, but they're not connected. And I would go even further that in our church, many of us are not connected. Amen. Jesus didn't die for us. Jesus didn't, didn't leave us this legacy so that we could be disconnected. That's right. And as Steve so adequately shared, because you're talking over the phone doesn't mean you're connected. Right. Connection means heart to heart. You know, when, when your heart is out there in the open. And, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today, and, and probably we're the most disconnected time in, in society and in our history. So what I'm going to be talking about is a, a letter from the Apostle Paul. And we're going to look at some verses that he wrote. He wrote a small letter, and, and Paul was a missionary. He basically was the most ambitious, the most make-it-happen guy of all the Apostles. He was so zealous for what he did. He, he went out and he started churches and they, they tried to arrest him. And many times they were successful and they put him in prison. And he was he was so unstoppable that even in prison, you know what he would do? He would write letters to churches while in prison. And those letters were so encouraging. You said, well, Paul, how could you be so encouraging when you're in jail and you don't know when you're going to get out? You no, know, I, I could listen to a guy like that. I could listen to somebody who had faith like that.
1: Yeah.
0: So what Paul's going to say to us in his short little letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae, I believe it applies to us as a church. If you're a guest here today, I believe it will apply to you because some of the things we're going to talk about may apply to why you are or are not a follower of Jesus. And so let's dive in. Here's here's the, the, the end part of his letter in Colossians. It's up on the screen. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. He says this. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So what he's saying here is think about the opportunities that God, and, and some of us, you are wise towards outsiders. What does that mean? And that could be kind of offensive, if, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus. You could think, well, I don't like being an outsider, but you already feel that, right? Don't you feel that? You come to church, and you may already feel like you're an outsider, and it's not meant to be offensive. It is what it is. But what Paul's saying here is, you and I, as followers of Jesus, we got to be careful how we act towards people who are on the outside. Because why? We want them to be on the inside. Yeah. He says here, make the most of every opportunity because you don't know if you're going to get another opportunity. You know, one of the things that helps me as a speaker is I think, you know, there's going to be somebody here in church today that this may be our only opportunity to reach them. Because they might never be back. You know, when we talk with our ushers in, in church and we talk to people that are doing different things. I said, guys, we got one shot. It may be their only shot. Do you think about that at work? Do you think about that when you're out on the street? And you think, "Hey, I got to be wise because this may be the only opportunity this individual has." I'm a procrastinator by nature, and so I think, "Oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't say anything this time. I'll get another time." The truth is, we may not. Right. And that's what Paul is saying here. We've got we've to look at this summer as an opportunity, you and I. Yeah. In our whole geo-region, out in the desert cities, out in Riverside, out in the cities, you know, in, in the San Bernardino area. In Rancho. Here in the East San Gabriel Valley, out in Whittier. We've got to look at this summer as an opportunity because we don't know if we'll have another opportunity. And this is what he says in verse 6. He says, let your conversation... Always be full of what? Grace. Say it with me. Full of what? Grace. grace. Now he doesn't say, let your condemnation be full, always full of grace, or your confrontation be full of grace. But we gotta be honest. As followers of Jesus, and I, I promise you, if you go and ask somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, go ahead and ask them, "What do you think about Christians?" See, I've spent some time recently asking some some non-followers of Jesus, so "What do you? What's your take on on us? What do you think about us?" And I just want you guys to understand: in our society here in the United States, this is very descriptive of how people feel about Christianity in our world today. It's hard, and people are separated. So the moment you mention the word Christian, I'm a Christian, hmm, could strike a cold reaction. And there's a reason for that, because we haven't followed Paul's instruction of saying let your conversation. We used to look at it and said let your confrontation. See, we like to bring up issues. What's your stance on this issue? issue. What's your stance on this issue? Hey, that's not the point. Conversation means we're going to have a two-way back and forth. I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'm going to be wise about those questions. And what I want is a connection. And what he's saying here is let your conversations always be full of grace. Lead with grace. And let it be seasoned with salt. I know for me in my past... There was times where I, I, didn't, I didn't lead with grace. Guess what I led with? I led with salt. Because salt's the truth. Jesus says, you are the salt of the world. So you got to give people salt. So let me give you some salt. Give you the truth. And what does that do to people? Here's what it does. Yeah. It ices them over. Yeah. It separates them. And so you and I this summer, we need to look at the opportunity that God is giving us to interact with people. Let your conversation be full of grace and then sprinkled with truth. Lead with grace. Open the door. And then once the door is open, once the relationship is established, what can you do? You can talk about their life, your life. And, and then you can begin to do this. You can begin to chip away at the ice. And this is what conversation does. Conversation begins to chip away at the ice. And then you can get into this thing that's buried inside their heart. He goes on and he says this. Let your conversation be full of of grace and salt, and you know, like I said before, as Christians, you and I, instead of being icebreakers, you know we can be sometimes as Christians? Ice makers. We're not icebreakers, we're ice makers, because all it takes in one conversation is to shut that door. You know, when I was 12 years old, I had the opportunity to interact with lots of Christians. My two sisters were part of a, of a church, and, and I got to interact with different ones. I'll tell you what worked for me. It was people that were loving. People came up and expressed an interest in me, an interest in what I was about, what I was doing. They'd sit down and listen, and they didn't care about the music that I, because I listened to some crazy stuff when I was a teen. But they'd sit down and listen with me. That meant the world to me. You know when they when they showed an interest in me and my stuff, this is what it did. This is what it, it it provided an opportunity for me to open up my heart and get open with them about what's really going on inside. And so I want to challenge us today to be icebreakers not ice makers. And this is huge. How do we do that? Let your conversation, have conversations with people. Don't talk at them, but talk with them. Get to know them. Have a meal. You know, one of our, our, our pros here in, in the audience is Mike. Mike, Mike is an incredible host. Yeah. He, he, may, he makes some food. I mean, it's, it's, it's better than restaurant food. It's awesome. I don't know if you've ever been to Mike's house to eat. I've been to Mike's house to eat often. And I always, always go to Mike's house expecting great food. No pressure. But he's a great host. You know why Mike goes to all the trouble of preparing food, of making it awesome, even spicy sometimes? You know why he does that? Because he realizes food... To men is a great connection, You go right to the heart, you know, especially meat, steak, you know, and for the ladies, some fish, some salmon, right? So he understands this principle. You know, you've got you've to use what God has given you and talk to people and get connected with people. Conversations are the key to connections. If you want to get connected with somebody, you've got to begin with conversations. Those conversations have got to be going on. And this doesn't just work for people on the outside who we're trying to reach out to, who we're trying to help. This works in all areas of life. If you've got, even in your marriage, if you've got a problem in your relationship with your wife or your husband right now, I guarantee it. It's because you haven't had enough conversations. You're so busy, you haven't had a chance to sit down and talk. And, and, you, and what happens, that's the first thing that will kill a marriage. That'll kill any dating relationship is when you're not having conversations. You're talking at each other. You're talking around each other. And your heart gets hard just the same. This works on all levels. If you're a guest here today, I've got some, some great applications. If you're in sales, you know what? You know, make a what, what's the phrase, make a friend make a deal? It works in sales. It works on all levels. But conversations are the key to connections. And what does a conversation full of grace look like? I can tell you what it looked like for me, is when people took an interest in my heart, in my life, my situation, all the things that were going on in me, and guess what happened after all those conversations, my heart came out. And then, when we would talk, here it is, out in the open see many of us want to give our hearts, but we're afraid. We've been hurt before. We've been iced over in life. We've had some hard situations that have messed us up. And this is what we're after as a church. If you're a guest here today, I want you to know right up. I don't want you to you know what's the hidden agenda like Fiela said there was a hidden agenda. There's no hidden agenda today. Here's what we want. We want your heart. Here's what God wants. We want your heart. It's your most valuable commodity. Yeah. See, because from here we love people. Yeah. From here we love God. From here we form family. From here life thrives. And if you're in here, that's not a way to live. You may think you're protecting yourself, but you're short-siding yourself. You're short, shorting yourself of life, of love, of relationships. And so what God wants is to set us free and to give us the opportunity to live. Amen. So we're going to go on with this verse and 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 we want to break the ice. We want to separate this wall. But I want you guys to understand this is huge in our in our in our society right now, in the 21st century. The postmodern era, people are less open to Christianity than any other time here in the United States. So, what Paul is saying here is huge right now. This is what we're dealing with, particularly in the millennial generation from 18 to 35. People are the least interested in church than they've ever been at any other time in our country. You ask young people, hey, you want to come to church? Nah. You know why they don't want to come to church? Here it is. They've had some bad experiences. They see it on TV. When they hear the the reverend or the pastor or this person say, Well, what's your position on gay marriage? What's your position on this? What's your position on that? And they hear the talking points and they go, I don't know. I don't know if they're really interested in this. Sounds like they're interested in, 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 in making issues. And you and I got to be wiser than that. Lead with grace, and then the salt can get in there. Then the salt can apply. So, this is what God can give us the opportunity to do. Grace is the ultimate icebreaker. You know what broke me down? Is understanding that God loves me, and He wants to forgive me, He wants to give me a brand new start. Amen. And so, now we're going to look at the rest of the verse, and it's probably the most challenging part of the verse. You ready for it? Come on, brother. Here it is. Verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Come
1: on, Peter.
0: Now wait a minute. You're expecting me to have an answer for everyone? For every question? How is that possible? You know, this, this is very intimidating, and this is where maybe some of us, we, we kind of shrink back because we don't, we know we don't have the answers. When you look at yourself and you say, well, I'm a baby Christian, or I don't have that much time in the faith, and I haven't studied, and I, I tell you, for me as a minister, uh, I've got a lot of books in my office. I've got this monster book that I got recently. It's called the ESV Study Bible. Thousands of pages. It's got maps and history and articles and cross-studies. It's amazing what this book has, the answers it can provide for your faith. But here's a problem, and here's another one. The, the Field Manual for Christian Apologetics by Dr. John Oakes. Incredible book. Lots of questions answered in here. But you know what my problem is? And Maybe, maybe some of you can relate. John, can you relate? Mano, I, I read these books, and I read the articles, and I forget. I mean, I took took classes in apologetics, I've I've read books, I've studied, I've gone through articles, and I know this stuff, my head is just full, and I'm really okay, I got the answers, and a few months later, I forget, oh yeah, yeah, I read, I read this, and mm, what what was it, Mm, I don't know, let me go back, I'll tell you later, and what Paul's saying here is it's very difficult to know how to answer every question, really, is that possible to do that? And has there ever been a time in your life when you had all the answers? Don't raise your hand, but I'll ask that question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you had all the answers? Yeah, there was a time between the age of 13 and 21. Right? Had all the answers. Ask my parents. Oh yeah, he had an answer. He had an answer for every question. He had an answer. He knew everything. And about 22 years old, everything changed. And here's what happens. The older you get, the less you know. I'm an idiot now. Really. As a parent kids are grown, they're adults, and I'm like, I don't know anything. I mean, look at what I've done. Look at what I've done with these kids. God, please. You can feel like that when it comes to God, religion, faith, church, Christianity. Man, you, you can feel like, I don't have all the answers. You know, and how am I supposed to help this world if I don't have all the answers? You know, because people like to throw questions at you. They throw questions at me all the time. Peter even said it. But in your hearts, reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Peter's saying it. Paul's saying it. Now Peter is saying it. How can you possibly answer every question? And so we take classes and we read books. And hey, let me, let me just say this. This is really awesome for your faith. I love digging in. The problem is I don't remember it all. But I highly recommend study guides like this because this can encourage your faith. There's a lot of great Christian evidences, Christian apologetics out there that can encourage you. We're not believing some kind of, some kind of story, some wives tale. This is backed up with history, with testimony, with archaeology, time, places. You can't possibly have all the answers, right? And then he goes on and he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Once again, what's Peter saying? Lead with grace. Don't go in and, 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 and condemn people, confront people. Lead with grace, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So he's taken basically saying you've got to take a humble approach. Alright, so i got to ask you, Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions about your faith? If you're a guest here today, probably one of the reasons you're not a follower of Jesus is because you've got questions. There was another great thing that happened last night. Ray Gonzalez, he was baptized in Christ in our Singles Impact ministry. Just last night. And I remember with Raymond Ramos and I, we started studying the Bible months ago with Ray, and Ray had a lot of questions. And there was times when I had to say, Ray, I don't have the answer right now, I'll go look it up, but I don't have the answer. But The reason why he got baptized is he got the answer. Not all the answers, the answer. If you're if you're here today and you're waiting for all the answers so that you can give your life to God, I promise you, you're going to wait a long time. You don't need all the answers; you need the answer. Yeah. Do you have any questions? I
1: have questions.
0: And I have to I have to confess this as a minister. A couple years ago, we had one of our members. Their six-year-old daughter was very sick. In fact, she lived most of her life sick, and she died. And I remember going to the hospital, and the day she died, and it was just like an hour after. And we're there in the hospital room, and... They're holding the, their, their 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 daughter in their arms, and, and 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 there's blood, and and it's and there's there's hysteria, there's crying, and, and I'm walking in there, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to comfort them, I'm trying to pray with them, and I'm trying to help them. And they would they would come to me, and people, family members would come to me, and they say, hey, why why did this happen? Why did this happen? You know, we, we try to come up with good answers as Christians, right? Minister, you supposed to have the answers. I came up with an answer, but i, I got to say, the Lord, it wasn't a foolproof answer. And then as I was preparing for the funeral a few days later, and I'm looking through, and I'm preparing for the funeral, and I'm studying it out, and I'm going, God, I've got some questions about this.
1: I don't know. Why
0: did this little girl spend her whole life sick and then die? Parents should never have to bury their children. Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? And yeah, I had the answers. And I shared some of those answers, but, you know, I got to be honest. They're not foolproof. Do you have any questions? I have questions. And so, I want us to, to think about, you know, what, what Paul is saying here, because it's huge. We don't have to have all the answers. And as Christians, we per, try to pretend that we have all the answers to all the questions. The truth is, we don't. Amen. And I want you to know, as a minister of this church, I don't have all the answers. Amen. No. Amen. But I have a couple. right. And I got one. Sorry. It's a really good one for me. And it's a really good one for a lot of us that are here today. Amen. And that's what Paul is talking about. And you know, for Christians, we shrink back. We, we don't like to get in these arenas of questions because questions raise tension. And you know what we do as Christians when we get around people with questions? We we kind of pull together. And we form groups. And we form congregations, and we we hold we huddle up together so we won't have to deal with the tension, right? And so we create our church. And what happens to people on the outside? Because they have questions, we sometimes avoid them. And hey, listen, to engage with people who are not followers, you don't have to have all the answers. Because I don't have them. We don't have them. And that's, that's where faith comes in. You're saying you, you can have all the answers in, in many respects but even all the answers you still need faith and God's not going to give you every answer because he wants you to trust him. There has to be a level of, of trust. so I don't think Paul was saying here that we need to have an answer for every question and Peter the same thing but rather we need to have an answer for everyone. And there's a difference. What's your answer? And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at an an example of Jesus here in, in our study. One man's interaction with Jesus. It's an incredible, incredible story. Because this man didn't just change his life. He changed the lives of a whole region. He impacted a lot of people that were out there. So we're going to go, if you have your Bible, you can open it. It's going to be on the screen too. But if you want to make some notes in Mark chapter 4, Mark is one of the writers of the Gospels and and he wrote the shortest, some scholars say that it was the first of the four Gospels. It was the man's version because it's the shortest version. Okay, he gets right to the point, doesn't mess around. I like Mark. But we're going to read about this example. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when when the evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. And he was referring to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was a lake, it's a large lake, miles across. It's not like Lake Elsinore. Okay, And it had a more significant meaning when he said, we're going to go to the other side, what that meant is the other side, the, the western side was the Jewish side, but the other side, the eastern side, was the side where they had all the Greco-Roman people, the pagans, the non-believers. It was wild. They had a sign across this area on the eastern side, it was called the Decapolis, and on that sign as you walked in and stepped on the shore it said, what happens in the Decapolis stays in the Decapolis. what it was like, and so when Jesus said this to the apostles, his twelve disciples, they were like, "Oh, I don't know, Jesus. Why would we just stay on this side? You know, this is where we fish. The so people are, are friendly. They're godly. I mean, they behave. They, they they're not they're not out there because then it could have been a risk." you do things and live a certain way, and the people don't live the way you live, like if you were to go to the Middle East, it, you, there could be a threat. Yeah. Something could happen to you. It's not safe because you believe a different thing. So by Jesus saying, let's go to the other side, it didn't just mean let's cross the lake. So as they're crossing the lake, Jesus decided to take a nap. Because this lake is huge, storms would come in, and there could be six, seven-foot swells. And the boat could hold about 15 people, and you know it was, it was intense, and they thought they were going to die, so they started shaking Jesus, and they said, Jesus, wake up, we're going to die. But Jesus calms the storm, and they're freaked out by that. <laughs> Who is this guy? I know he's, he's the Messiah and everything, but wow, we've never seen anybody do that. So they go to the other side, and before we go to the rest of the passage, I, I want to ask you a question. Where's your other side? No, 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 I'm talking about across the street, across town, across the office. Where's your other side? You know those people that you don't like to interact with? You know those ungodly people? Where's your other side? You know what Jesus is saying to us today? Go over to the other side. Those people need you. You know, you heard it this morning. You know, with with, with Robert, There the people that went over to the other side and said, "Hey, hey, I want to, I want to get to know you. I want to have a conversation with you." Huge needs. What's your other side? Have you crossed the street? Have you gone next door? Have you had conversations with people? Or are you? I don't know. You know that part of town that you don't like to go, that it's not safe to go. Somebody needs to go there. Somebody needs to cross over. And that's what Jesus was doing. Yes, let's go to the other side. And then in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerizanes. But Jesus got out of the boat, and a man with an impure spirit, and his disciples were like, okay, see? Okay, here we are on the other side. we got this demon-possessed guy. He's here to greet us. You know, you've you, you got, you got the the, the exorcist. And this was an intense guy. He's kind of like Captain Caveman. He was naked. He had cuts. He would scream at the top of his voice. You know, it was, it was, it was an intense situation. And the apostles are going, you see, we should have never left the western side. Why did we come here, Jesus? And then it goes on in verse 6. When Jesus saw... When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High, in God's name, don't torture me. This is a demon speaking here. In fact, this is a number of demons, as we're going to see. And the interesting thing, every time that Jesus confronted a demon, the demons knew exactly who he was. That's just a cool fact for you. They always spoke to him. They knew who he was. People didn't know who Jesus was, but the demons knew who Jesus was. And they begged, they begged Jesus, don't torture me. Don't torment me. Interesting, you can study it out. Mark chapter 5 verse 9. Then Jesus asked his name. What's your name? I mean, come on, Jesus. The apostles going, what, what do you mean what's his name? Why are we talking to him? Let's go to the city. Let's go to the village. Leave this guy alone. No, no Jesus wants to have a conversation. The demon-possessed guy. Talk about an example. And here's his answer. The demon-possessed guy. My name is Legion. Now more like this. My name, my name is
1: Legion. For we are busy. Whoa! Wow.
0: I mean, try walking into a party saying that. My name is Peter and we are many. That's an icebreaker. Get people's attention, it will freak them out. What do you mean, we? I mean, this is scary. I mean, you know, sometimes you like to watch horror movies. They were in a horror movie. This was intense. This guy was unpredictable. They tried chaining him. They tried to hold him down, but he would, he would smash the chains. He would scream out at night. He scared people to death. They didn't know what to do with him in the area. And this idea of legion, you know in the Roman guard, you know how many soldiers it takes to make a legion? 6,000. It then becomes a legion. Now, I don't know if this guy had 6,000 demons, but he had a lot of demons. Imagine his life. That's his life, what it was like to to, to try to deal with all of that. The problems, the situations in chapter 5, verse 15. And Jesus, I mean, the story goes, Jesus heals the guy pass out the demon, and then the demons ask him, can we go into the pigs, and Jesus gives the pigs, gives the demons permission to go into the pigs, and the pigs don't like the demons very much, so they drown themselves, and so there's thousands of the pigs that are drowned, and so the town, the people there, they go and tell the townspeople, hey, all the pigs are dead, and there's going to be a shortage of bacon, we've got a problem, I added that, I added, that's, okay, I'm adding, I'm adding, I'm adding that, But then they come back, When they came to Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons, sitting there, dressed in his khakis and his polo shirt. All right, I, I added that to you. But he was in his right mind, and it scared them. Yeah. I mean, here's this guy, he's he's Legion, he's going around, he's introducing myself. Hey, hey, listen, I'm really sorry about all the craziness that I caused. My my, my name's not Legion, it's Larry. That's that's my real name. My my name's Larry. (laughs) And, And I've got a family. And I live in this area. And I'm so grateful that I got my life back. Amen. Because it was crazy. Could you imagine the scene? And he's apologizing, saying, look, I'm sorry. You know, you may have saw some people who freaked out. And you say, I'm really sorry for you guys, because that night when I came out here and I screamed at you naked, I freaked you out. I'm really sorry. My bad. My bad. Okay? But I had Demons. So the people, the people, they saw this whole thing and they're terrified. They're afraid. Wouldn't you be afraid? They're so afraid they asked Jesus to leave. The pigs, the whole thing, they said, Jesus, you gotta go. You gotta go. You can't stay here. We can't deal with this. Wait a minute. Jesus is helping people. Yeah? But he's got to go. So they ask him to leave. Jesus leaves. And so he goes back across the lake. And we don't know how much time passes. There's there's weeks, maybe months. Jesus, he fed the 5,000 on the other side of the lake. And then on this time later, they cross back over. And on this occasion, when they cross back over, this is the time when Jesus walked on the water. Again, he freaked the disciples out even more. And then he gets in the boat and he comes with them. He comes back. The Decapolis. Now, there's a difference. Look what happens when he comes back. Mark chapter 6, verse 53 and 54. When they had crossed over, they landed on the Jerezabeth and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Okay, so they remembered remember this is Jesus this is the same guy you know Larry Legion we remember and look at how they received him in verse 55 they ran throughout the whole region and carried sick the sick on mats wherever they heard he was and then in verse 56, And wherever he went into the villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed their sick in the marketplace. They begged him not to let them touch. Or not, they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Amen. <laughs> they begged this time around, they begged Jesus to stay, in fact, they, they kind of took him around village to village to village, they didn't want him to leave anymore, why is it? What changed in those weeks or months between when Jesus first visited and they said, you gotta go, now we want you to stay, you gotta stay, in fact, we want you to help all of our people and all of our lives, what was the difference, what changed, what was the difference? Mark tells us what the difference is. You want to know what the difference was? When in once one time they wanted to leave, get out Jesus, and now they want him to stay? Here it is. Go back a chapter, Mark chapter 5, verse 8. Larry. Remember Larry? Yeah. That first time around, when Jesus was leaving, he just healed Larry. He was leaving, and look what it says here in verse 18. He says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man had been possessed by the demon, possessed, begged to go with him. Take me with you, Jesus. These people aren't gonna—they're not gonna receive me. I've done too much damage. Let me go with you. And look what Jesus said to him. Jesus didn't let him go. Right. But he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And so he went, the man went around and began to tell the Decapolis. Now the Decapolis is 10 cities, but scholars would say it might have been up to 20 cities. It's a huge area. And so he went around and he told all these people from town to town what Jesus had done for him. And all the people weren't afraid anymore. What were they? They were amazed. They were amazed. Now, what was the difference between first visit second visit? Larry was the difference. And I'm sure people had questions with Larry. They would walk up to Larry and they go, "Larry, Larry, tell us what happened. How, how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus heal you? And you know what he said? I don't know. I don't know how he did it. But here's what I do know." I once was legion, right. now I'm Larry, <laughs> I got my family back, Amen. I got my life back, yeah. I'm me again, I can be who I want to be, yeah. and Jesus was the difference, That's right. Amen. I don't know how Jesus did it, but he's the difference,
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: and you know there may have been some other questions. Hey, Larry, in the beginning of the book of Genesis, was it seven literal days, or was it 7,000 days, or 7,000 years? Which one is it? You know what Larry said? I don't know. All I know is that I was legion, and now I'm Larry, and Jesus is the difference. People are going to ask you really weird questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it loves that people are, gener- the next generation loves to ask all these questions. I got a teenager and they, they love to ask questions. we got to be okay with, I don't know. If you can find the answer, great. But you got to be okay with that. But here is the answer. The answer is, I once was legion, now I'm Larry. Yeah. Jesus is the difference. Jesus made the difference. There's a lot of questions. But there's, real one, there's only really one answer for you and me. And you have that answer, don't you? Yeah. You heard that answer this morning. Amen. You've got an answer. And anytime time we hear testimonies, you go, well, man, that's a really intense story. Motorcycles, fire, explosions, guns. My testimony is really not like that. I don't have a cool story about you know and Larry's story, honestly, it's a cool story. Wow. What a story. Amen. My story's not really that intense. Amen. Yeah, but it's your story. That's right. God did something amazing with you. Didn't he? Amen. Isn't that your story? Isn't that your story, what what God did to you? And our story, i got news for you. Our story is the answer. What, What Paul was saying, what Peter was saying, be prepared to give people an answer, not all the answers, an answer. What's your answer? I'm not saying that you don't need to study and understand things, deep things about the scriptures, about history, about Christian evidences. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is your answer, your most vital answer, my most vital answer is what God did many, many years ago. When he broke the ice, when he changed our lives. Don't shrink back from that opportunity. That's your story. That's our story. And your story is the answer. It's the icebreaker. You know, if you're a guest here today, I just want to say this. God's waiting to give you your story. Amen. See, because I know there's things going on in your life that you're not happy with. You know, there's something going on inside of you, and you're not settled you got all the reasons. you got the excuses. Well, this Christian, this person, this church, there's this hypocrisy, there's this, there's that, and my life, and I like this, and I like fun, and etc. Yeah, but there's something eating inside of you. Right? And I know I postponed my decision for a while. But I want to encourage you. God has an answer for you. Amen. you know what His answer is? His answer is that... God became a man, his name is Jesus, and he's passionate about a relationship with you. He's passionate. So, to wrap it up, because we're, we're done. To wrap it up, how many cities are there in desert cities? Seven or eight, maybe ten? With the capitalists, right? How many cities are in the IE? A lot, right? <laughs> How many cities here in the East in San Gabriel Valley?
1: I'm <laughs>
0: Question. How many Larrys do we have? How many Larrys do we really have? How many Lisas do we really have?
1: Come on, come
0: on, really. Okay. And I want you to think about this this summer. This is huge. Amen to be in a geo-region and bigger is better, Right. But let me tell you, there's nothing, nothing, nothing like the individual impact of the way God wants to use you. And you are somebody special, just like Larry. And God wants you to be an icebreaker. Not only this summer, but this year. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what it would be like if all of us went out and understood and and Jesus was saying, I want you to share about the goodness of God and what he's done in your life. I want you to share that. What a difference it would make. You don't have to have all the answers. Just ask people their story and you tell your story. And have it over some steak for the guys. became a man and his name was Jesus and he's passionate about a relationship with guys named Larry Amen. women named Lisa and I, I believe it's our responsibility you and I to go out there and make a difference let me pray for you and we'll close this out Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to hear about Jesus, to hear about incredible stories where he changed lives. We pray, Father, that you'll please help us this summer to have conversations with people, to realize what you have given us. Help us to go over to the other side of our neighborhood, of our our street, of our workplace, and, and reach out to people. God, thank you for this group. Thank you for our geo-region. Thank you for all of our regions. Thank you for our small groups. Thank you for every member. Thank you for our children. Because for some of us as parents, it may mean going over to the other side is our children. Help us to do that. Help us to lead with grace and sprinkle it with salt. And help us just like Jesus to help people and love people. So then we can help them to understand who you are. We love you. Thank you. Bless our summer.
1: And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.